You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and welcome to Next Question. Today we're talking all about bad eating habits. We all love food, but too often we don't eat the right things. So how can we do better? You're being triggered all the time by your eyes, your ears, your nose. If you see food, smell food, or even talk about food, you're being triggered to eat food. Later, I'll speak with weight loss expert Liz Josephsberg about how to create new positive eating practices and build a better relationship with all that food, glorious food. But first, the dreaded D word, diets. It's the beginning of a new year, which means we've all got them on the brain. Let's talk about the Whole30. The Atkins diet, the South Beach diet. The raw food diet. The paleo diet. The keto diet. A trendy new weight loss method has been getting a lot of buzz lately, and it is called intermittent fasting. So my next question, are the latest diets healthy? Can they help us live better and longer lives? Or are they just fads? There's so many diet wars, and people are in such conflict about it. But what's fascinating to me is that a lot of the approaches to eating now that we're hearing about, whether it's paleo or vegan or keto, or those are all ways for people to get healthier. They're not necessarily about weight loss anymore. How do you enhance performance? How do you enhance health? How do you treat disease? Which I find amazing. That's Dr. Mark Hyman a physician who has dedicated his career to something called functional medicine, a biology-based approach to health that, in part, uses food to cure what ails you. You know, I used to joke, I say people have FLC syndrome. That's when they feel like crap. And when people uh, go along with irritable bowel or headaches or congestion or achiness or fatigue or depression, they don't realize how much of it's connected to food. We'll get to more of that later, but first I asked Mark to walk me through a few popular diets I've been hearing so much about, in fact, I've even tried, like intermittent fasting. What is it and how does it work? 
So intermittent fasting is one of the ways in which you can change your calorie intake in terms of when you eat and how you eat to change your biology. And historically, we had hundreds of genes that help us adapt to starvation, but almost none that help us adapt to abundance, which we have now. We have more calories per person than we need. We have about two to 500 calories more per person in this country than we actually need, and it's killing us. So the science of, of aging and of performance tell us that if you use various techniques, whether it's fasting once a week for 24 hours, whether it's time-restricted eating, which is eating within a eight-hour window, whether it's a five-day low-calorie sort of fasting mimicking diet, or whether it's ketogenic diets, they all do the same thing. They help to increase your metabolism, so they speed up your metabolism. But wait, time out. Yeah. I always heard that when you stopped eating, it shut your metabolism down. Mm. So you're always mm. discouraged to do it's that. True. And, and it's true. That's, it, the old that's thinking. what we used that's to hear the, all the time, eat, right? Eat, you know, three that meals you need and three snacks. to get your metabolism going. Yes. That's not true? Not exactly. It turns out we were wrong about that. And what, what really turns on your metabolism is these periods of fasting. Now, historically, we did it all the time. There were times of scarcity. We weren't eating snacks. I mean, snacks is a modern invention, right? There's what, we shouldn't be snacking. And I think that the, the science shows us that it, it increases bone, bone mass, it increases muscle mass, it decreases belly fat, increases cognitive function, reduces inflammation, increases your stem cells, increases your antioxidant systems, it fixes your mitochondria, it repairs your DNA. I mean, it's a powerful set of strategies that are available to all of us, and it's not that hard. So what happens physiologically during that period when you're not eating? So let's say you're doing an eight-hour eating plan. So you eat between noon and eight at night or yeah. 11 and seven. So think of it like this. Normally, if you're just constantly filling up your garbage can with waste uh, and you don't take the garbage out, your house is going to be a mess. And when you have these periods of restricted eating, when you're not eating is when the garbage collectors come and cleans up your cells. It cleans up your all the waste products. It reinvigorates your repair mechanisms so your body can repair and heal. And the easiest way to do it is to, you know, eat dinner at six and don't eat till 10 the next morning, right? right? Or eat dinner to seven and don't eat till 11 and so forth. So just as long as you have that overnight fast, which we're usually doing anyway, you don't eat up until you go to bed, which most people do. So you know? breakfast is not the most important meal of the day? Not necessarily, not necessarily, no. So you, all you these can, things that I was raised to you, believe are being blown up. Well, you can do it breakfast. You can eat from eight in the morning, you know, till four in the afternoon. That's okay too, right? Yeah. So you can, you can do whatever you want. You just want to have a period of not eating. So does that mean that I can't even have milk in my coffee? Please say I can have milk in my coffee because I could do intermittent fasting, but I have to have coffee and I just don't want to drink it black. Well, here's a trick. You could use ghee or butter and MCT oil, which will keep you in a ketogenic state and not basically break the cycle of intermittent fasting. Really? Yes. Is it Although, taste good? Bulletproof coffee. Yes. Oh. Yes. It tastes great. Creamy, okay. yummy, delicious. So not oat milk, not uh, almond milk, nothing like not if, that not with if, my coffee. No, because that has a lot of carbohydrates in it. If you just use fat, the fat is going to keep you, that's why you get in a ketogenic diet, that's all the same things. The fat keeps you in this starvation stage. Because when you're in starvation or you're doing intermittent fasting, that's what's happening. You're increasing your body's ketones, which is a different fuel source. Right, and then you go burning. into ketosis where yes. you're burning fat instead of muscle. That's right. But wait, before we talk about uh, the keto diet, because that's a perfect segue, Mark, between the hours when you're eating, say you eat between 11 and seven at night, 
Does that mean you can eat anything you want? Can I eat ice cream? Can yeah. I eat garbage? I mean, <laughs> that, that's the question. Yes. I mean, so here, here's the truth. In studies where people don't change what they're eating, they just change when they're eating, it works, which is crazy. It helps with weight loss, metabolism, so forth. However, if you eat good food, whole food, real food, it works far better. So it helps even without changing what you're eating, but I wouldn't recommend that. I, I do both, change what and when. And you talked about different ways you could do intermittent fasting. Um, I think probably eating just in a certain time period every day is probably the easiest and most popular, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and just start with 12 hours. I mean, it's called breakfast, break fast, right? I mean, most of us eat up until we go to bed and we wake up and eat first thing in the morning. We don't really give ourselves a chance to, to have that metabolic break. So just make it 12 hours to start, then go 14, then go 16, and you'll see your body will feel better. Now, if you're pregnant, if you're anorexic, if you have some disease where you actually need to eat, it's probably not a good idea. But you can you can experiment with these these biohacking techniques of time restricted eating, fasting a twenty four period hour period once a week, doing a you know maybe five day calorie restricted period every three months. It helps to reset your whole system and increase longevity and activate all these healing systems. Intermittent fasting results in something called autophagy. Yes. So what is that? Okay, this is this is the key to all of it. So autophagy means you are eating yourself. Phagy means like you phagus, that tells you, you you gobble up all the waste products and you basically eat yourself and all the waste products and you recycle all the things in your body, which actually extends your life. It actually helps repair DNA. It helps activate all the energy mechanisms in your body and does all the things we talked about. So autophagy is the key mechanism by which intermittent fasting, time-restricting eating, ketogenic diets, fasting mimicking diets, that's how they all work. That gives you your body the break it needs yes. to collect and get rid of the garbage. Yeah, right. I mean, think. imagine if the garbage system stopped in New York. What would happen pretty quick? All the curves would be overflowing with giant bags of garbage. You got to have the garbage collector come every day to clean up the garbage. And that's what autophagy is. It's the garbage collecting mechanism in the body that can heal and repair almost everything. So if you're not feeding your body food, how do you know that you don't start to eat away muscle instead of fat and all the toxins and bad stuff? Well, I mean, it's a matter of time, right? If you if you fast for weeks, that's what's going to happen. I mean, it, most of us are terrified of going without food or being a little hungry because we think it's bad for us. But actually, it's super good for us. And no one's going to lose muscle within a 16-hour window of fasting or fasting once a, once a week. Let's talk about keto diets. Yes. Because I did that as well. Mm. And I have to say, I think it worked actually, but I started feeling like this can't be healthy. I'm eating cheese, I'm eating steak, I'm yeah. eating sausage, yeah. I'm eating yeah. eggs, I'm eating all kinds of things. I'm not eating fruit, yeah. which I love. Yeah. I'm eating some vegetables, but not many. I'm not eating any whole grains. How can a keto diet be good for you, seriously? Well, it's been studied for years. It was used in kids for epilepsy, and these kids stay on it for decades and decades, and they do fine. Um, it doesn't work for everybody, so I would say it's very individual. And some people, like me, for example, we call them lean mass hyper responders. If, you, if you're a certain body type or you have a lot of lean mass, you might actually get abnormal cholesterol from it, and it could be not as great for you. Right, you could be toffee, thin yeah. on the outside, yeah. fat on the inside, well, right? Well, not, yes, but it, it also may just have adverse effects in terms of cardiovascular health. But it, you know, there was a large study, for example, of diabetics, and they put them on a ketogenic diet, and within a year, 60% reversed the diabetes. Yeah, how is and, that if you're eating cheese and, and well, you don't you're have eating to do half and half See, and do, stuff do, like that? We do, we do a whole foods a ketogenic diet that doesn't necessarily have to have 
all that dairy. In fact, we do on dairy-free. You can even be vegan keto. There are people who are doing vegan keto. But isn't but one of the reasons... you can eat olive oil, avocados, nuts and seeds. You can have much different kinds of fats that are good for you instead, right. of, instead of adding a lot of things that you may not want to be eating otherwise. But some fat in your diet is very satiating. Yeah. And that's why it's good to have some fat, Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. It makes you feel full. But if you eat the right fats, it actually speeds up your metabolism. There was a study, large study, the kind of study that's very difficult to do, where you actually feed the people the food, and then you track every metabolic factor that happens. David Ludwig did it at Harvard, and he found that in, in patients who had 60% fat, 10% carbs versus 60% carbs and 10% fat, they had burned 400 calories more a day if, if they were insulin-resistant overweight, than the group that ate the high carb diet. So if you eat the high fat diet, eating the same exact number of calories, so let's say they each had 2000 calories a day, the ones who ate the high fat burned 400 calories more a day. That literally would solve our entire obesity crisis if everybody did that. How do you explain that? Well, because fat activates all sorts of different mechanisms than sugar. Sugar activates fat storage, activates inflammation, activates fatty liver, activates all these hunger mechanisms, so you're hungry all the time. And when Whereas, you mention the carbohydrates, you're talking about refined carbohydrates? Yes, refined carbohydrates. I mean, listen, broccoli is a carbohydrate. Right, but, you know, and so are potatoes, yeah, of but course. you're talking but about things starch, like potatoes and, and starch, anything refined. And, and if you look at our diet in America, you know, we eat about 133 pounds of flour. Now, flour, it turns out, is worse for your blood sugar than table sugar. So the, it, if you have a bread versus a tablespoon of table sugar, it raises your blood sugar more than the table sugar. Because there's because it's so ground up so fine and it's quickly absorbed in your body and it acts just like sugar in your body. Wow. Worse. And so so people are thinking, oh, I'm having a bagel and I'm you know it's all good, but no, it's not. It's actually probably worse than the sugar. And in fact, you told me that oatmeal is not a good thing to eat in the morning, well, which really surprised if, if me. If it's whole, steel cut oats and you add in fat and you add in nuts and so forth, it can be okay. But in experiments, they found that feeding people oatmeal in the morning, uh, these kids, it was a group of kids, they gave oatmeal steel cut oats or an omelet, same calories. The kids who ate the oatmeal ate 86% more food in the day. They were hungrier, their blood sugars went higher, their insulin went higher, their stress hormones went higher. The steel cut oats was, they ate 50% more food. So they were still, it was better than the, the regular oatmeal, but still not great. And the omelet, the kids did the best. So I think when you look at the biology, what happens when you have a starch in the morning, I mean, Americans eat dessert for breakfast, right? Right. Cereal, bagels, muffins, pancakes, French toast. And you I mean, got me off cereal forever, yeah, even I'm though I used to killer. love it. I used to, yeah, you are a cereal I'm a killer. Cereal killer, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's not a good choice for breakfast. No. And, you know, we were sold a bill of goods on that by Mr. Kellogg, and everybody bought it hook, line, and sinker. Don't tell the kids it's one of those nutritional cereals you've been trying to get them to eat. They're made with real oats to make you strong and full of energy. Real fruit flavors. Orange, lemon, and cherry. Every bowlful gives you a whole day's worth of vitamins and iron. Breakfast of champions. Good. They're great. We'll return to Mark later in the show, but coming up after the break, Liz Josephsberg joins me to talk about the psychology behind your cravings. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Liz Josephsberg is a health, wellness, and diet expert who is passionate about helping people bridge the gap between wanting to lose weight and actually doing it for good. I lost 65 pounds, and I work every day to keep those off. So I understand that it isn't just about waking up and being fixed. Liz works with groups and individuals. She's even worked with me before. And the heart of her practice is not necessarily the food itself, although that's important too. It's really our relationship to food and the behaviors we consciously or unconsciously engage in that can dismantle all those good intentions. So my next question for Liz, what are some of the ways we sabotage ourselves when we try to achieve a healthier lifestyle? The biggest thing that I, I see in my, my kind of practice at this point is the not putting yourself first, the not actually spending the time to look at what you need and what's right for you and, and what you should be working on as the behavior that's standing in your way because we're all complex creatures. But most of the time what I'm finding is everyone is putting everything else first, right? Their work comes first. They're putting, they would put all of this effort into their project planning for work. But when it comes to them, they're leaving all of their skills off the table that they're bringing into other areas of their lives. Um, for women specifically, I see them giving away all of their energy and not knowing how to say no, not knowing how to take time for themselves and really create that space where we have a piece of the pie that's made just for health and wellness and, and really thinking of that as a piece of our job. Do you think that's changing? It seems to me there's something going on in the culture that's saying self-care is important. 
And I always think it's a fine line between self-care and narcissism. Maybe (laughs) maybe that's not true, but, you know, I do feel, I mean, you could spend your whole life caring for yourself too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a balance there, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. What I think is the mistake is the, the practice of self-care being a daily small practice instead of these large one-off retreats or um, uh, a big massage or things like that. But these daily moments of, you know, saying, I am going to go for a walk. I am going to take a minute and meditate. I am going to take a, a few minutes to prepare a healthy meal, not just you know, um, do these one-off large pieces that are outside of your regular everyday life and really making it so large instead of making it these teeny, my my practice is all about the smaller that behavior change, the longer lasting it will be because it is attainable and then sustainable. So I'm all about stacking healthy behaviors. And once you get one solid, then you move to the next one. Well, let's talk about some things that I think I do that probably some of our listeners will relate to. Um, You know, we have a lot of snacks in our office. We make treks to Trader Joe's and buy all kinds of things. And I might not be hungry, but they're out there and I think, oh, I'm going to have some of these honey roasted peanuts or why not eat a few of these things? They're not that bad for you. If I have one Reese's cup, it's mm-hmm. not so bad. It's a little one and it's yeah. dark chocolate and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I rationalize, you know. <laughs> so so how do you stop that behavior that then can make you feel like, well, I kind of cheated, so I didn't do really well today, so I might as well you know, Katie, bar the door, I can eat everything that's not nailed down. That's my psychology. Yes, yes. Well, you're hitting on two really important pieces of what we're learning now. So a lot of my practice is now centered around the brain science of what's going on when we're doing what you're explaining. Um, What we know now is what we didn't know even 10 years ago is that you're being triggered all the time by your eyes, your ears, your nose. If you see food, smell food, or even talk about food, you're being triggered to eat food. Our system is wired so that if we, you know, when we were cavemen, if we saw the woolly mammoth, we had to eat the whole woolly mammoth. We didn't have a microwave, right? Right. We didn't have a, a backpack that we could carry it from place to place. So our system is wired that when we see the food, even if we've just eaten, right, you may have had this happen, you go to a great dinner, you eat to your fill, and you say, I couldn't eat another bite, and then they bring the dessert cart around. Right. We have the ability to overeat when we see food, smell food, or talk about food. So when you have food laying around the office, every time you see it, you're going to want to eat it. It's about learning to navigate two things. Number one, cleaning up the environment so you don't see those treats right, and snacks. Right, put them away even. Put so they're not away. the visual stimuli isn't yeah. like hitting you in the face every time you look toward it. Absolutely. And then the 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 other piece that you're that you're talking about which is it's so interesting because I lead a lot of weight loss groups and we're just talking about this this week is is that emotional eating piece, right? If we could could really scan our bodies before eating that and say I have no physical hunger, right? Although when we see the food and smell the food, we do get cues of physical hunger, but they're not true cues. Our mm-hmm. mouth might water, our stomach might grumble, but we know we just had lunch an hour ago. So if we can navigate through that and go, 
okay, what is this? What's happening? Am I stressed? Am I bored? Am I procrastinating my work? Am I thirsty? Right? That is just a huge one, right? So um, it's this kind of double whammy of understanding what emotional eating is. I think it's got this kind of, this this feels like that should be some bad thing, like you're in the corner crying, eating and eating cake or something like that. That's not it at all. It's for me, the definition is eating any time that physical hunger isn't present. And in this new environment where where, where food is literally readily available Ubiquitous. at every moment, yeah, yeah, I, I, we laugh that, that people are so dramatic about their meals. And many times when I start working with somebody, they're eating at least three meals a day, usually two snacks and probably something after dinner. And we just don't need that much food. Right. So we've just been kind of marketed to and convinced that, you know, we need to have all of this food and and that we can't just walk down the street to any, you know, any Starbucks and get a full meal. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to back away from the drama if if you can begin to kind of see it for what it is. What other things um, have you learned from some of your success stories who you've helped? I mean, how have they changed their habits? Well, that's so interesting. It's it, it. I I've actually just helped my sister lose over a hundred pounds. Wow! Which has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. Right to have her be in my groups and and working through my program and to lose this weight. And she has struggled with this hundred pounds for most of her life. And this has been such a dramatic change. And I think what it does come down to is this understanding that. It's a self-love thing, right? What what you, how you feed your body, how you treat your body, especially when it's over a hundred pound weight loss is a lot about learning to say, okay, that's not good for me. And I love myself enough to say that I am gonna move away from those choices. So there is this really deep thing. It's an intimate and deep thing that has to happen for people for them to be ready um, because so much of food is used perversely as punishment. You know, yes. I refer to kind of being bad by eating something like a piece of a donut. And then totally. you're like, well, I wasn't really good today. So I am just going to, you know, go whole hog and I'll start fresh tomorrow. I think that's a real tendency. And, and it's, it is a form of, of punishment. Yes. For being, quote unquote, bad or making bad choices. Well, and again, what we now know from brain science is whenever we feel guilt and shame, we actually highlight the reward system in our brain. Oh, is that it right? It lights up like a, like a, a just crazy. So when we feel guilty or shameful about a choice that we make, right? So, oh, I ate the cake when I didn't plan on eating the cake. We feel badly like you're expressing. And then we get our reward system lights up. For most of us who have a, a, a food love, we go right to more food. If it's gambling, you've seen it, you're you're losing at the table, what do you do? You push in more. So when we learn this, and, and that again was this big learning for a lot of my clients is that, oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. I am, each time I feel bad about a food choice or I make it a punishment for myself, then I go and I do more of it. So really, the antidote to that is what we now know, gratitude. Gratitude lights up and releases serotonin and gets it flowing for you. So if you can kind of say, 
well, I ate that piece of cake, but I only ate one. <laughs> and really be grateful for something, even if it's t- a tiny little thing, that release of serotonin can override the reward system and you can begin to make real change because it was never the one piece of cake that got you in trouble. And I think that's what my sister is really talking about. It was that self-loathing, that repetitive self-loathing of eating the cake, feeling terrible, beating herself up, and, and going then for more. more. Yeah. And I know it from a life of, I've had a weight issue since I was 14. Right. So I think that makes me uniquely qualified to help people because I know what it is. I've done it myself. I've done what you're talking about a hundred times. So tell me how to stop that. I, For example, me, I ate a piece of a donut this morning, Mm -hmm. um, which I normally wouldn't do. And I'm trying to say, that's okay. I ate a piece of a donut. That doesn't mean that I, you know, this whole attitude that I have to eat, that all now it'll be okay for me to eat as much as I want today because Tomorrow, I'll start afresh. Yes. So what can I say to myself that I ate a, a piece of a donut? What you're talking about, which is another piece of this brain science, and are the these habit, loop. the habit loops. So people are always talking about habits, right? And a habit has three parts. It's got a trigger, then there's a routine, and then there's a reward. What you've created so nicely in your life is a trigger of one small off behavior, which you've deemed as bad. And I used to be so neurotic, I would do it when I ate a piece of gum that wasn't sugar-free. Sugar-free, sure, sure. So this this is just a thought pattern that you've habitualized, which is do something that is out of some sort of rule book that you've created in your mind, which is is now the routine is to feel bad and the reward is to go further get more of that serotonin-releasing food. Because of the guilt and shame, I feel. Yeah, yeah. It's really strange when we look at the habit patterns in, you know, under an MRI, they live on these sort of embedded roadways and they don't go away. That's the other part is you have to create awareness around this new pattern. Or an alternative Or an alternative, yes, exactly. So this alternative habit for you would be like when there's a perceived mistake, I'm going to just make a plan around the next meal and make it a healthy one. When we create new habits, the other thing to really understand is it's quite uncomfortable, the new habit. You won't be comfortable. You'll still hear this jargon going on about how you were bad and how it doesn't matter because you've already messed up and whatever those words are that, that you're which is super mean, by the way. Yeah. Like, why are we so freaking mean to ourselves? Well, I think society sort of imposes it, you know, this deprivation chic. And it's sort of like, it's an all or nothing world, right? You're good or bad. And there are very few shades of gray, I think, when it comes to life in general, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that you have to kind of fight that. Talk briefly for us, Liz, about the role of technology in helping either interrupt these habits or establishing better ones. Yeah, so I am super passionate about technology and the role that it's going to play. I believe it will be the tide that turns this obesity epidemic because not only is it allowing us to connect to people that we would never be able to connect to, right? So I'm going to run an online course this week where I'll be able to, I'm working with people in Singapore and Australia, right? So we would never have a, a ch- have had a chance to, to connect. They would never have heard my voice. And community and support oh is my so gosh. critically important, isn't it? If, if there's anything that I could 
could have someone take away from this is like the tendency in weight loss and weight management is to go it alone. It's just the the natural human tendency to either feel guilt or shame or like I should be able to do this on my own. What I've learned over 18 years in this business is that really the, the secret sauce is accountability and support, finding community, being with like-minded people. It's everything. Liz has a new book out called Target 100, the world's simplest weight loss program in six easy steps. You can also learn more about Liz and how she might be able to help you by visiting her website, lizjosephsburg.com. When we come back, Mark Hyman's recommendations for a diet that could help and heal you. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. A lot of Mark Hyman's work is focused on food as medicine, which can be hard for us skeptics to wrap our heads around. But as the director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, he's seen the benefits of a changed diet firsthand. We had a patient come into our center at Cleveland Clinic She was 66, she had type 2 diabetes, she was on insulin, she had heart failure, she had kidneys starting to fail, her liver was fatty, she had high blood pressure, pile immense. In three days, just changing her diet to a whole foods diet, essentially it's a very low sugar, anti-inflammatory, whole foods, high fiber, high phytonutrient diet. Within three days, she was off her insulin. In three months, she reversed her heart failure, reversed her diabetes, her kidneys got better, blood pressure went normalized, she lost 43 pounds. In a year, she lost 116 pounds, reversed everything, normalized her blood sugar. I mean, her blood sugar was running like three, 400 all the time, and it was just perfect on nothing. And she saved $20,000 in co-pays for her medication like insulin. 
Wow. And imagine if we scale that across the country and use that, but doctors don't know how to use food as medicine. They well, say eat better, exercise more, and that doesn't really do anything. So, you know, obviously that's a, a bit of an obvious thing, type 2 diabetes, because of the But the even connection. heart failure, kidney failure. Right, but there are other book, diseases that yeah. I think are really interesting that yes. you wouldn't necessarily associate with food that you are treating. Yeah. And give us a few examples of sure, those. Sure, like autoimmune disease is a great example. So many people suffer from autoimmune disease, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and food plays a huge role because your gut is where 60% of your immune system is. And when you damage the gut, like we do with our diets, and glyphosate, antibiotics, acid-blocking drugs, and processed food, all damages our gut, it breaks down that immune system, and the barrier breaks down in the gut, and you leak in food proteins and bacterial toxins, and that activates inflammation. So by using diet, eliminating inflammatory foods, things like gluten and dairy, getting rid of all the processed foods, adding whole foods, often autoimmune diseases can have dramatic improvements. Wow. Let's just do some food myths in closing. Are there any uh, do's and don'ts? Because one of the frustrating things about educating people is the science seems to be changing all the time. Mm. And sadly, it makes people not, not trust science as much. Mm -hmm. So are eggs good for you or is gluten good for you or bad for you? Is mm. dairy good or yes. bad? Yeah. And if it in fact is highly individualized, how do you determine what is best for you? Great question. So I think, you know, with all the science we have and all the different debates and all the different diets, the best advice I've ever heard was from Michael Palm, which is eat food, meaning real food, right? Not processed food, not uh, mostly plants, not too much. So it doesn't mean be vegan. It just means eat a lot of vegetables and plant foods. Don't overeat and eat real food. So I think there are basic foundational principles to break through all the myths. It should be real food, right? We should be eating good fats. We should be eating lots of vegetables and fruit. We should be eating lots of nuts and seeds. We can have whole grains and beans. We shouldn't be eating foods that aren't food, right? Food-like substances full of chemicals, additives, hormones, antibiotics, processed ingredients, Obviously, those are not good for us. So those are the foundational principles. I call it the pegan diet, which is kind of a joke, you know, making fun at paleo and vegan. Uh -huh. But it's essentially just these foundational principles everybody agrees on. And then within it, you kind of kind of have to think about quality, right? So what is the quality of what you're eating? Are you eating an egg from a factory farm where the chickens have been abused and where there's lots of antibiotics used and there's arsenic in the feed? Or are you getting a pasteurized egg, which is dark yellow oak full of nutrients and antioxidants and good omega-3 fats? Uh, you know, are you eating a feedlot cow, which is, again, processed in a way that's not good for them, the planet, or you? Or are you eating a regeneratively raised grass-fed beef with much more nutrient density, without hormones, antibiotics, that restores climate rather than harms the climate? So there's a way of thinking about this where you, you don't have to pay attention to all the noise, but you have to figure out what, what makes common sense for you. And then as far as personalization, that's really key. Everybody needs different type of approach. For example, as we age, we need more protein. When we're younger, we can get away with you know, different kinds of approaches. So it's, right. really, it's really pay attention to the smartest doctor in the room, which is your own body. It'll tell you what it likes and what it doesn't like. You just have to pay attention. And one quick thing, but you mentioned aging. When I heard you speak about your last book, you talked about how much muscle mass you lose as you age. That's why mm. weight-bearing exercises yes. are so important. Are any foods important to eat as you age? Because I think that's one of the reasons I'm getting a little belly. Yes. Because the muscles in my stomach yes. Yes. aren't as strong as they used yes. to be. So here's the news. And that's I, why men kind of get those big bellies because well, some of their muscles well, get it's weaker. They the lose sugar. muscle mass, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. It's also the sugar and the starch. I mean, I, I think that the, the, the quick answer 
is that as we age, we lose muscle if we don't do something about it. We have to put energy in the system. And there's really three key components to that. First, you need adequate protein as you age. And it can be plant-based protein or animal protein. If it's plant protein, you might need to add extra amino acids like leucine because that is necessary. And, and as you age, you need more. Two, sugar causes muscle loss. Sugar causes and starch. Really? Yes, sugar and starch cause you to gain belly fat and lose muscle. Just by switching your diet to a higher fat, lower starch diet, I've done that, and I've got more muscle, and I'm 60, than I did when I was 30, without changing my exercise routine. So, so it's basically cutting out the starch and sugar, adding more good fats, and having the right kinds of protein, and not and at each meal. And that that will help prevent the muscle loss as you age. And then you add on top of that the exercise and strength training, yoga, you know, things like that can really be helpful. Can you be my personal health guru? Absolutely. Can you be my coach, Mark? I am, I think. I know, but I need you on a more regular basis. Okay. Seriously, can you help me come up with an eating plan? Yes, of course. And an exercise plan? Of course. A life plan? A meditation plan? Yes. Mark Hyman's latest book, Food Fix, How to Save Our Health, Our Economy, Our Communities, and Our Planet, One Bite at a Time, is out in February. You can also find more information about Mark's health missions, his cookbooks, and his own podcast, The Doctor's Pharmacy, Pharmacy with an F, at his website, drhyman.com. And that does it for this week's episode. I hope you all learned as much as I did listening to it. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to do intermittent fasting. And yes, I'm even drinking my coffee black. And I'm kind of liking it after a few days. You can keep up with Next Question by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your favorite shows. You can also check out my morning newsletter. It's called Wake Up Call at katiekirk.com. And of course, you can follow me on your go-to social media channel or all of them. Until next time, and my next question, I'm Katie Couric. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartRadio and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric, Courtney Litz, and Tyler Klang. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen. Our show producer is Bethann Macaluso. The associate producers are Emily Pinto and Derek Clements. Editing by Derek Clements, Dylan Fagan, and Lowell Berlanti. Mixing by Dylan Fagan. Our researcher is Gabriel Loser. For more information on today's episode, go to katiecouric.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at katiecouric. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.